And so they came. How many of them came, we really do not know. In order to accommodate a favorite Christmas carol, we named three. After gold and frankincense and myrrh, I suppose, but we don't know how many. But they came. The best, some of the best of their culture. Elites, scholars, deep spiritual holy people in the definition of their place and of their time in the land and the culture of the Medes and of the Persians, six, seven, eight hundred miles to the east of Judea. They came on a quest, more than a quest. They came, they came to meet somebody. Somebody that was nothing like them, nothing like much of anything about their place and their time, but that didn't matter to them. It didn't matter. Because in the wisdom that was theirs, a wisdom that would be shown in a very pragmatic, practical way in just a little while, they knew that they were following heavenly portent signs in the heavens above that would point the way to the arrival of the most special being to ever grace planet Earth. And they came. But they were prudent people. On the way to a little obscure village, the hometown historical place of the great King David, the house of bread, literally named Bethlehem. They stopped off in Jerusalem to pay a courtesy call and to present their credentials to the ruler, Herod, known in history as Herod the Great, unless you had been on the back end of his violent, megalomania, paranoid way. He was anything but great to you or to his victim. They stopped to make a courtesy call upon Herod, and while they were there, they inquired about Herod's own awareness of this most special person. Had, through the vehicle of human birth, been brought into the world, who would become not just for his society, his religion, his people, but for all of the human family. the most profound source of great grace and witness of God's true nature and God's true love and God's true meaning and agenda that the world would ever know. Well, we know pretty much the rest of the story. These magi coming from the land of the Medes and the Persians with great and abiding wisdom built upon that same element in the ancient Babylonian society and the ancient Assyrian society, they came and Herod immediately went in on the offensive and under the, under the cloak of deception sought to involve these very bright people from a land far away who involved them in a scheme to figure out who this potential threat might be and as soon as possible eradicate the threat. 
The rest of the story we pretty well know. I invite you, though, to hear a few of the lines from it from St. Matthew's Gospel. It's on the screen if you would like to know. For you see, upon concluding their interview with Herod, they were warned by God himself in a dream to, that this man was bad news, the baddest of bad news in that area, and to steer a wide berth and to not cooperate. So in verse 13 it says this, And now after they left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Herod got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. And this was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I have called my son. But when Herod saw that he had been tricked by these wise men, he was infuriated, and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem, baby boys, toddlers, boys, two years old and under, according to the time when he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children, because she refused to be consoled, because they were. No more. Friends, as much as it may paint us this day on a holy and bright, solemn and joyful Christmas Eve, to admit to it, even this is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Lord, may these words be your words, these Promises be your promises. This claim be your claim through what poor words I may offer in the next few moments. And may the meditations of all of our hearts on this good Christmas Eve night be pleasing in your sight. And as all of that is so, to your glory, may each and all of us, even on this night of peace, here, may we never, ever cease to hear the cry of violence suppressed children and teenagers and men and women, wherever they may be found. I'm going to invite you for just a moment before Valerie stands to minister and serve all of us through being the celebrant for Holy Communion. And before we move into what all of us have come here tonight to do, to participate in candlelight and silent night, I want to invite you to overhear an internal conversation that Clay is going to have with himself. So if you will. And you might find yourself in this conversation somewhere or another. And if not, do your best to stay awake. It won't be long. 
and we will be shortly into other things that you were hoping and expecting for. For the life of me, I cannot accept, even at the ripe old age of 63, I cannot necessarily accept why it is we have to keep Herod in Christmas. It just really burns me to have to consider that. It really does. It really does. Oh, yes, I know why Matthew makes sure that Herod and all of those things about Herod that Matthew focused on, I understand why it's there, and I value that. I appreciate that, because Matthew is trying to draw that wonderful distinction between the original Moses and the Lord Jesus Christ now being on the scene and God's new Moses in a, in a remarkably good way. And just like Pharaoh back so long ago was not afraid to impose his violent will upon all the little ones of the Hebrew people and the Hebrew people themselves. State-sponsored, state-initiated violence and oppression against those folks and certainly with the intent eventually to take care of these babies and a particular baby boy, Moses, in particular. I understand. So Matthew now is trying to say, Things haven't changed much. I understand that. Yep. Now, in Jesus' time, so many centuries later, there's still very bad people hanging around, working their, working their evil, giving vent to their paranoia, giving full expression to their megalomania and their ego, and some of them are even people in positions of rulership and responsibility, and not much has changed in this old world along that line. And the new Moses, Jesus, in Matthew's way of presenting that witness to that first listening audience, so to the new Moses, the same story unfolds. And yes, I understand too. And I have great appreciation and I have great valuing in my own mind, heart, and soul over the fact that it's very important for Matthew to make a point that we all too often, in the midst of the oh-so-similar violence-predicated world that we too seem to inhabit, and frankly, it grinds us down, wears us down, and wears us out even to the point where it's hard to even pray about those things, much less stand up and be the presence and the voice of the advocate, the defender, the sacrificial servant in ones and twos and threes and thousands and millions that says to the bad people of this world, rulers and otherwise, no more. for Matthew, it's so very important that in his gospel, at the very, very beginning of his witness to Jesus, that he makes the point clear and conclusively that that's the kind of world that God deliberately chose to be born into. Not because God supported such an agenda of the Herods of this world, no, but because God intends to redeem 
the victimized widows and the victims of such vile, hate-filled, paranoid oppression. God's in the business, yes. God's in the business of redeeming that, saving that. And I know that, but God, please... says, yeah, for just a little while, just a little while, just just a sliver of time because I have to deal with those things, fight those things, deal with things in Garland, Texas and beyond, in prayer, in service, in meetings, in person after person after person who I find on the street and who walks in the door. pretty cut up and bleeding. God, can I just have an hour or two on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day escape? Of escape from all of that. Can I just have an hour or two of forgetting that the Herods exist? Because God, here's here's the truth. really want to escape it, but the cries of the children and the grief-stricken, terror-stricken cries of their moms and dads are never silenced in my ears, ever. But I really would like an hour or two I can light my candle, take my communion, sing my silent night around yon virgin chamber in heaven. Because I do believe that God has provided this world, this violent, violence-wracked, oppressive, world with a light that refuses to be extinguished in their onslaught of darkness. I really believe that, God. I really do. And I think millions of others do too. But God, can I have just an hour of escape where I can pretend doesn't exist. To this tortured mind of mine, God gently comes and he says, escape if you must, but it won't be long. I'll call you back into the present. And so, what I know God, what I know about me and what I know about so many hundreds and thousands and larger numbers of others, many of whom I live and serve with each and every day in a city like ours, in a church like this, 
and across the community, whether they be Christian or whether they be Muslim or whether they be Jewish or whether they be atheist or whether they be Buddhist or whatever it is, here's what I know. I know that they know. I know, God, that you know that until the last child being hurt, the last family being rendered the victim, the last society, until the last society is redeemed, you, God, will not stop working. Call us to come. Until the last child ceases to cry and begins to laugh and begins to rejoice and begins to have utter confidence in safety and in health and in wholeness, you, God, are not going off the clock. You do not have to come down. And yes, I'd still like my opportunity to escape for a while. But that escape is short. there's a Jesus that exists in all of us that will not cease his work of redeeming awesome powerful love until the last child ceases to cry and begins to laugh in joy and so Valerie's going to come now on this Christmas Eve and be our celebrant for Holy Communion, and then we will come together and declare who is the light of the world that's going to save this place and us from the Herods that are there. But it may, it may cause us, you and me, to think. Tonight, at least, what is Holy Communion all about? Well, if you're still listening in on my internal conversation, Holy Communion tonight for me is about building up my confidence. Because escape time can be brutal for children. 